0: Hello
1: and welcome to Sports Day Tampa Bay. We thought about doing this as a British accent, but we're not going to do it because it's no time yet. Oh my goodness, we're here in the Big Easy and the Buccaneers have lost their third game of the season. 31-24 to the New Orleans Saints, a game that really wasn't that close. It was 24-10 uh, really until the fourth quarter when the Bucs uh, got a couple of late touchdowns. But I'm here with Eduardo Encina. Eduardo it's funny, and you know, we always talk about this being a week-to-week league, but, man, if these last two weeks didn't really prove that, uh, right, you saw the 55 points of the Bucks hung on the Los Angeles Rams last Sunday. And today, this offense did not resemble that one at all. They couldn't, uh, other than running the ball a couple times effectively, they couldn't protect Jameis Winston. They barely had the ball. They couldn't convert any third downs. 21 plays in the first half. Um, this was a disaster, and they allowed the New Orleans Saints to take Mike Evans out of the offense, O.J. Howard out of the offense, Cameron Braid out of the offense. I mean, I don't know what the game plan was, but they should never bring that one back again.
2: Right on, uh, <laughs> right on oh, Richard. Uh, <laughs> I, I must tell you, uh, <laughs> this wasn't the best day on the pitch for the boys here in the bayou. Yeah, it certainly was not. Um, yeah, but... Uh, yeah, th- th- maybe the Saints just saw that game in Los Angeles, and they did a lot of work on it and did some things to, to shut down a lot of guys, and mm. they were definitely able to do that. Uh, but you know what? It's interesting because I know we, we you wrote for this morning is about kind of the tale of two mics and just kind mm-hmm. of uh, Mike Evans and uh, Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, and you know we were we were actually discussing this in the elevator on the way up as we were trying to kind of dissect this game, and it's like. You know, all due respect to Teddy Bridgewater and what this Saints team is, but you know, when push comes to shove, and you're talking about offensive weapons, you're talking about people that can get you downfield. I nine out of ten times, I probably take the the whole assemblance of what the Bucks have with you know Evans, Godwin, yeah. uh, OJ Howard, Cameron, Cameron Bray, yeah. You know, over what you know beyond you know Kamara. Thomas, Thomas you and know, then you're
1: down to Ted Ginn Jr. Ted Ginn and, can make a play Jared here and Cook there, but and yeah. that's but, it,
2: you know? But, 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 you know, so I think that's one of the things that really kind of stands out about this one. I, I feel that most people thought, and, and maybe it's, it's it's blind faith a little bit coming off of Los Angeles. Like you said, it's a week-to-week, it's a week-to-week league, but I really think that, that most people thought, and, and the Bucks thought, that this was a game that they, they could come in here and kind of build off of last week and, and get a win. And they, you know, it's funny, I think we said this in the elevator too, is, you know, as... as 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 thirty one to twenty four games go, this was not as close as the uh, as the score indicated. Because you look at every statistical comparison, mm. and you know they were outgained. They were on defense, the defensive stats. You know the, the six sacks to nothing. You know the only thing that they won was uh, you know probably the the turnover battle. I think, but but other than that, um, not not too much.
1: Yeah, I mean once again the number one. You know, defense against the run did a nice job, very nice job against Alvin Kamara. He had 62 yards on 16 carries. That's under four yards a carry. You would take that any day of the week. Sure. Um, you know, nobody else really hurt them. Murray didn't hurt them. Tyson Hill had one, one or two runs. I mean, they they contained the running game, so they essentially the Saints more or less went into it knowing that they weren't going to have a great day running the football. So they aired it out and. Against this Buck secondary, I think we're figuring out they're not very good, okay? Because we looked at last week, and they got four turnovers and scored 28 points off those turnovers. Good for the defense. But they still gave up 40 points and a ton of yards, right? 500 yards or something like that, passing. So, you know, they haven't covered anybody. Um, today, for the first time, Shaq Barrett, first time all season, was left without a sack or really right. an impactful play at all. Two I think tackles. All two yet. tackles, and that was it. So, you know. Sean Payton was not going to let him wreck the game. And no one else is getting home. No one else is getting to the quarterback. So, you know, every quarterback in this league is talented. And Teddy Bridgewater is having a great run right now in place of Drew Brees. He threw four touchdown passes. He's only done that one other time in his career. Um, And, you know, that's what NFL quarterbacks will do to you if you can't pressure them. It becomes a seven-on-seven drill. And they really didn't create that much pressure in, uh, on, on the on the receivers. And after the game, I was a little stunned. But Bruce Arians, God bless him, he's extremely honest. He says, well, you know, I, I think the pro- our secondary is a little soft. Yeah. They're a little soft right now. And some guys, are, some guys are doing okay, but a lot of other guys are just playing soft. And one of those guys, in my opinion, might be Vernon Hargraves because we know he made a play on opening day and had an interception against the 49ers. And, yeah, he made the big stop – on the running play against Christian McCaffrey in in week two. But aside from that, he just really hasn't been in a position to, to to make any plays. And, you know, they had more receivers running open. Now, I think it hurt them clearly early in the game when Carlton Davis lights up a tight end and gets a helmet-to-helmet contact and the guys in New York decide that he needs to be ejected. <clears throat> so you lose one of your starting corners that's, you know, hasn't had a lot of any interceptions in his career but still – is is near the receivers he's still around those guys and then you're coming in with you know more sean murphy bunting who had an interception that sort of bounced in his hands um i just didn't think that that the defense was good at all and i really question what the game plan was with respect to their their offensive weapons because look everybody's trying to stop michael thomas too No one comes in and plays New Orleans and says, let's not double this guy. Let's not have a plan for Michael Thomas. It didn't stop the Saints from finding ways to get him open. And that's the duty of the play caller. And Bruce Arians said as much. We didn't do a good job of moving Mike Evans around and keeping him involved in the game.
2: Yeah, and just to touch on a couple of those points, Rick, is you know, Michael Thomas had almost 200 yards receiving today. You know, 182, basically, that's 200, yeah, right? right. You know, so if you add in the 300 passing yards Bridgewater has, about 100 yards of rushing, that's 400 yards. So you could say that this guy was half of their offense, basically. Yeah. So at, at what point do you do something, make an adjustment, try to figure – and, you know, if Vernon Hargraves, whether he's the guy on him or not, like – Get him a little bit of help. Could put a safety over the top. Just give him a, to do something, right? right? Just he just had his way all day, and right. you know it's one of those situations. I do think, I honestly think that the Carl Davis um, ejection kind of probably affected them a little bit more. I'm sure it did. Than, than it does, you know, it affects the game plan. You lose a guy who's kind of he's the, he's one of those guys on the outside. And I, I think he's a much better player than he was last year. I think he's he still can be a really good player. But yeah, I mean, he's not a guy who's gonna who he, he's a guy who likes to hit. But, you know, he's not really going to get you any interceptions. But he's a
1: guy, you but know. But you're and going to a rookie. And Sean Payton right. said after the game, once that happened, we knew they lost it one changes. of their corners. It changes. We tried to create better, you know, more – you know better matchups for them, and I think they were able to do that. They were able to get Thomas on some of those guys like Sean Murphy, Bunting, right. and they couldn't cover
2: him. And the thing too is like, so you, so you got you, when you're, you have your starting secondary, these are the guys you trust, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you take one of those guys out and you replace with another guy who's maybe a second stringer, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden those other guys, maybe the safeties, maybe the, the slot guys, they're thinking, oh, I got to help him, yeah, you yeah. know. And all of a sudden they're doing stuff that they're the that's coverage not, bust, right? That's not in the right in the same frame of mind. And all of a sudden, boom, it's a big play out here big play out there but yeah. you know again you know going back to the offense is you know <laughs> the, the offense you know we, we we when this when this team has been good they do even though like you know it, there's been a kind of a rhythm to the offense too, yes you know there was no rhythm there today. was really no rhythm at all today you know no. um in the, in the second half they, they got within a touchdown but for most of that second half they were just kind of blah yeah uh, you know Jameis was on his back a lot and they they didn't really they weren't able to really run the ball successfully, which is something, in this no matter what, in most of their games, I think every one of their games leading up to this one, one of the things, they were really kind of being able to dictate the pace because they were able to run the ball in the second half. We didn't see any of that because yeah. uh, they just weren't able to move the ball. You know, obviously they were playing from behind. It, it became one-dimensional. It you know, changes yeah. a little bit different. It was a little bit more of, like, the team we saw last year that was constantly playing behind and maybe the team that we, we've seen this year, which is you know, for the most part, been in games. So,
1: yeah,
2: um, but, yeah, just just – one of those things where, you know, now, here we go. We're looking back at this this whole stretch of road games again. Yeah. And, you know, this time last week we were talking about, oh, man, if they can pull something out in New Orleans, they go to London. They're feeling great about themselves. So yeah. now, you know, I think that that London game takes a little bit different feel to it because it they know the obstacles, the inherent obstacles that they're going to face with the travel and the time difference, just everything being completely different when, when you're so used to a routine during football season. And – Maybe some of those things now become bigger obstacles, and maybe they would have if you come out of here with a win. Now, obviously, you know, still early. You know, I've I've always been under a thing if they get out of this situation, uh, you know, out of that that five hundred at five hundred that, yeah. that things look up for them. But um, but right now, you know. This honest. Let's face it. Two weeks ago, this wasn't a game that they thought we thought they would win. No. You know what I mean. Last as of last week, we thought this was a game they could win. They didn't. But now there's definitely a little bit of a regrouping that this team has to do, and they have to do it quickly because they hop on a plane Thursday after practice. That's right. To across the pond. Yep. And uh, to go play some uh, some, blokes <laughs> some blokes from, from uh, Carolina from, from Charlotte.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and you know, not not for nothing, but like Carolina suddenly is playing pretty well. Chris McCaffrey like. Yeah, he went nuts again. Yeah. Um, so you know you're going to have a handful of him, and you know uh, suddenly you're two and three. You can't if you fall if you lose that game, you fall probably behind Carolina, and now you're back towards the cellar of the NFC South. Only Atlanta is keeping you from falling all changes, the way down. Yeah, it changes really, really fast. Sure, it does. Thing. And I mean, this you know there was so much at uh, st- stake in this game. I mean, if they win this game. They're tied with the Saints at 3-2, and two, but they have the game in hand, and then the next time they play will be at Raymond James. And so, you know, it's a little bit of house money, but you're not under as much urgency. Now this becomes, in my mind, almost sort of a must-win because if you look ahead of the schedule, you're at Tennessee when you come back and then at Seattle uh, after the bye week um, at Tennessee and then at Seattle. and So that's, that's going to be uh, two tough games right there. And, you know, more importantly, just the – The lack of consistency. I mean, we saw them struggle against San Francisco, and then Jameis has these three games, and I wrote about it in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times, the best three-game stretch he's ever had. He really seems on point. Guys are getting open. They're converting on third down, and that's what happened today. They didn't have enough plays. They could not put themselves in good third down situations and convert. Um and so therefore they only had the ball 21 plays, the defense can't get off the field, all of a sudden the time of possession is out of whack. And when you looked up at, at halftime and said they're only down by 7, it was a miracle. I mean, it was yeah, really being like
2: out out out, uh, yeah. out gained by more
1: probably about 2 to 1. But but before I think the third time this year they come out after halftime and what do they do? They give up an immediate touchdown right, to the opposing team. And that all starts sort of with the fact that Bruce Arians has been aggressive in taking, when he wins the coin toss, taking the ball. You know, the analytics will tell you to defer, and this is why, Mm -hmm. maybe you steal the last possession before the end of the first half, but you know you're getting it coming out of the second half. Well, you can't do that if you're giving up a damn touchdown every time you come out of the locker room. They did it to the Giants, they did it last week against the Rams, and then they did it this week. And so, you know, you just, you know, at that point, it's, it's over. The game plan, whatever chance you have of running the ball is done. Now they're coming after you. Jameis Winston was sacked six times in this game. He was hit eight other times. Right. And he ran, ran for his life about seven or eight times. So, you know, it was a complete team effort um, for them to lose this game. And I'll tell you what, when you, when you think about this division and the way you get in the playoffs is, is you've got to win the division. Right. You've got to go through these guys. And- and Drew Brees ain't even back right, yet, folks. Right.
2: And one thing too is like I think I asked a couple of players this, you know, over the course of the week, and they were you know really excited about this fact. I don't know if how many of them really thought about it, but like the notion that you could win your first two division games on the road, yeah, right? that's and, great. And, and, it's and, huge. The, and the benefit that that involves, and you know, this is the first time I've I've been here to New Orleans, the first time you know covering games in Carolina and stuff like that, and like like week we talk about the week to week stuff, but like like. There's so much to winning these games on the road, especially in a place like this. Well, it's hard. It's so dang loud. Yeah, you, you can't hear yourself think. We can't hear ourselves type mm-hmm. or tweet. Mm-hmm. And you know, if they're able to figure out a way to come out of this game, and then coming off of the the LA game, where I thought was a, was another hostile environment that they, they they emerged from. Right. Like what that does for a young secondary. What that does for you know some of the 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 the. the parts of this team that are really start trying to gel, you yeah. know, what that does for Jameis Winston. Because, yes, no matter what, no matter, you know, they won here last year, but it wasn't with Jameis Winston the quarterback. No. You know, so what that does, like, even above the, the win, you know, and the win's important, but it's, it's also all this other stuff, too. And yeah. there's certain things that happen in the course of a game that really change it. And, like, you mentioned that that first drive of the second half. And yeah. that first drive was really dictated by a controversial call. It It was. That, that, was down the Buck sideline a 42 yard game deep yeah. ball yeah. to uh, to Thomas with with Vernon Hargraves in coverage, uh, no call on the play. Everyone on the Buck sideline, you know, thought it was uh, pass offensive pass interference. You look at the video, it definitely looks like there's some contact. There's some definitely some contact there where Thomas pushes Hargraves back to get um, to get some separation, and you know. It goes on. You know, what's interesting now, and you can you, maybe some games it happens more than others, but, like, the story of the 2019 season so far, you know, in a lot of ways, has become the officiating and how people are trying to figure it out, how mm-hmm. the teams, the coaches, everything. are. And this today, you know, Arians had two challenges. Both of them went against him. Both of them, I thought, when he challenged them, he was going to get them. I <laughs>
1: and did, And he too. didn't get
2: either one of them. You know, the, earlier in the game, they benefited from the Murphy-Bunting interception that you talked about. Yeah. But, uh, you know... They're a fumble by uh, the, the Saints in deep in, in, in their own territory uh, squirts out. Uh, Anthony Leclerc's on top of the ball. You can clearly see it. He actually comes emerged, out the emerges from it. the pile with yeah. the ball. Yeah. And um, so that's a complicated play because when you review it, you're not only reviewing the down by contact call, but you're also reviewing uh, Clear the possession, recovery, the, the recovery yeah. of the fumble. So. There was one or two there. They got the fumble, but they didn't get the the recovery. So obviously, it goes back to the Saints, uh, who had possession of the ball, at, you know, at the last time. So two things that really go wrong. Arians is really frustrating. The post game presser called it baffling. Mm. You know, kind of went off on on it. It's interesting because his two calls, his two challenges previously this regular season have both gone his way. Right on the same on. Uh, no calls on defensive pass interference that he got to become pass inter- defensive pass interference so he's gotten two big plays on that early in the season during the pre season he was really frustrated about it it seems not knowing what's what especially with the pass interference, which is a new a new option this year but you know so many different things take shape in a game. And, you know, if a couple, of, if, if they get one of those or, you know, if they get both of those, you know, maybe it changes a little bit. You, know, you go from that, that Thomas play, you go from getting the ball inside the red zone to if it goes the other way, you're back, you know, 10 yards and, yeah. you know, you're, you're back in your own it's end. It's
1: first and 20. It would have been first and 20 at their own 15. 15 yeah. Instead, it's first and 10 at the Tampa Bay 33. And two plays later after they stopped Kamara for no game, they have a coverage bust and Ted Ginn's all by himself right. for 33 yards and a touchdown. So that was coming out of the half. So that Such was an a big a enormous play. And I don't care, you know, um, look, uh, whether the Bucks are right or wrong, win or lose, doesn't affect me. But I will say, objectively, as I was looking at this, it yes, there was hand fighting, but it looked for all the world that Thomas took not one but both hands right. and 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 separ- used his hands to separate from Hargraves who clearly fell backwards right um, and Hargraves not and this is not good for his resume but he starts begging for the call like a soccer player you know as soon as it occurs right. with his hands up and then Thomas makes the catch um, so they blew that one and I agree I think you know I think the uh, you know the fumbled punt I think it's weird to me that, you know, you were 0 for 2 on that one. Like, they they didn't think it was a punt. They thought he was down by contact. Well, you're wrong. Right. You know, here's the thing. If they get that right, if they let the play go, which is what we've seen officials do, right, they don't call anything. Let the play go. Then the replay will determine it. But the fact is they blew it dead. Right. Okay. Well, that requires a replay. Now you look at the replay, and because you blew it dead, you say, well, yeah, no, it was a fumble, but there's no clear recovery. If you don't let that play play out and he comes up with the ball and they make a signal that it's the Bucks' ball, now when you go back and look at it, you're probably not reversing it because it wasn't clear that he did not recover well, not the ball. That, Who else you, had it?
2: But if you let it play out, then you decide on the field that's who's right. got the ball. You clear out the pile and you figure it out. And I think that's one thing that you know the officials right now are, are kind of caught in a trickery, tricky slope here because obviously they don't want to look bad.
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: Bad, right? right? You know, they don't want to look bad. But at the same time, they're so used to blowing a whistle when right now, the way the game, the way these rule changes have gone, nothing. they need to stop blowing the whistle. Yes. They need to let this, these things play out. And they need to, like, like so this is a perfect example because then you're trying to fix two wrongs yeah, and you can't do it. Like the, the burden of evidence yeah. on, on a play like that where you're trying to find out who's recovering a fumble, there's no way. And the thing is, like, according to the rules, it all makes sense, to yeah. be honest with you. You're like there's nothing in that thing that says, yeah. like you look at the pile and you're like, okay, I'm looking through all these guys. I can tell this guy has it. You know? Right. Uh, I, what I'm interested in knowing, to be honest, is whether they looked at at the play, far enough to see Eclair come out of the huddle with the ball. Well, we don't know. You this. know, we don't know that. We don't so, know this because um, that's
1: an association with New York. I mean, it's like okay, so somebody got killed here, but it was a homicide, or that wasn't a homicide. <laughs> He's not going to jail. You were responsible for the death, but we're not going to. We're, we're not going to say it's murder. I mean, it's a bad analogy, but I mean, it's really like how are you half wrong? Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we were wrong about the fumble, but we were right that he didn't pick it up. Well, no, you right. didn't. You weren't even play that out. So they should have let it play out. They didn't. So those two are two big plays in the game, uh, especially the call, you know, the non-call against but Michael Thomas.
2: Here's one thing to think of, though, too. So if you know that they're going to let you play through some of those things, Michael yeah. Thomas, maybe he gets a little bit more freedom, right, because he's one of the best receivers in the league, though. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm on the other sideline. I see that Mike Evans doesn't have a catch. You're damn sure that I'm going to tell him. I was like, "Hey, you see
1: what they're
2: yeah. You, you see what he's getting. Start shoving
1: people down yeah. to the ground. Let, let's, You're a big let's, physical let's, guy. Let's,
2: let's get this going. You of course, know? you know
1: what helps is if you throw the ball in his direction when he That's does true. it. That's true. And they didn't even look for him. Right. I, I mean, I've never seen. The Saints have a good corner in Matt Marshawn Lattimore, who two years ago held him to one catch in his rookie season for 13 yards. Now, you know, Mike also that was the you know the eating the W's game, and Mike ended up getting suspended for taking out Lattimore on the sideline when Jameis was jawing at him. Um, but that aside, you know, a year ago when the season opener, Lattimore had him man-to-man, and he lit him up. I mean, Mike Evans lit him up for 147 yards and a touchdown with Fitzpatrick. So, you know, it was one-to-one, and then today Lattimore completely stoned him again. But I thought this was more a case of the Bucks taking Mike Evans out of the game plan than anything Lattimore did, even though he's a very good corner. You can't let another team dictate where the ball goes all right. the time. I mean, yes, Chris Godwin is a great number two option. Chris Godwin could be a number one on many teams. He can beat Eli Apple all day. And Jameis right? made a lot of good passes to he Chris did. Godwin today. He did. He made a lot of, like, like, like some of,
2: I honestly think some of the best passes that Jameis has made this year, he's made to Chris Godwin as a second as a second option. I think there were a couple, I think late in the game, third down plays over the middle that he made to Godwin that I thought were incredible
1: passes. Yeah, they were. And But, you know, what was funny was starting out the game when they needed some third down plays, did they throw to Chris Godwin? No. Did they throw to Mike Evans? No. They were throwing the ball to little Scotty Miller. You know, stick routes, all these things. Yes, he's getting man-to-man coverage. Yes, he's their third option, and he might have the matchup. But Jameis Winston and Scotty Miller do not look like they're in any kind of game sync right now. And they wasted a couple opportunities early in that game to keep the chains moving, because that's who was getting three target or two targets. It was, it was unbelievable. It's like the first third down they converted. Cameron Brake two tight end set, turns around, first down. Cameron Brake never saw the ball again.
2: Right. There's there's a thing of over overthinking it, you know. And, right. And the thing too is like, the, the one thing I wrote about this today this morning and in my early read story, is, is the one thing that Jameis, one of the things that Jameis has done really well is that he's, you and it's a sign that you see that he's getting more comfortable with his offense, is that he's taking less time to release the ball. He's taking he's making these quick decisions and he's throwing, you know? And now he's one of the fastest, or going into today, he's one of the most fastest throwers in the league. That, that doesn't equal success, right? No. But it, it, has, it has correlated with some of his best games over that three-game stretch that we saw before today. Yeah. So, but today he was out of sync. He was not. He was, oh. There were times when he was rushing the ball. There were times when he took way too much time looking, you know, looking on for his you know, through his progressions, and yeah. he just didn't seem comfortable today. There, there had to have been something that that was there that you know and. and you can't say Brashard Perriman's a safety valve or anything like that. He, I don't think he's really a factor in terms of what this offense is, is but, you know. Well,
1: but they lack – look, they lack that third receiver. They really yeah. do. And and, and when, you, when you put more than two receivers on the field, if you're not going to go – if you're not going to just be – they should keep this simple, in my opinion, although I'm not an offensive coordinator, God knows um, – but to me, if you don't have that guy, they like, they like having a guy with speed, right, that can stretch the field. That creates a lot of room, right, for the underneath crossing routes and the shallow crosses right. and things like that, that Evans and Godwin like to catch. And even O.J. Howard. But if you're not getting any production out of that third receiver, then for goodness sakes, keep the two tight ends on the field and start using – they can't double everybody, right? right. I mean, O.J. Howard is a hell of a player. Cam Brait has had a lot of production in this league. How those two guys aren't involved in this offense at all through five weeks of the season—that's on the—that's on Bruce Arians, who admittedly says I've never had two right, tight two ends like offense. this. Well, you know what? It shows. Right. It really does show. You're going to have to find a way to create matchups for these guys and start getting them the football, and then you'll start to see Mike Evans maybe have a little room to to, to roam under there. Because right now, the only guy that's been consistent has been, you know. Godwin, but he's the guy who moves around in the slot. He right. moves in the slot more than Evans does. They know where Evans is going to be most of the time. Right. Do they move him around occasionally? Yeah. But, but you know, it's Godwin that has the two-way go. It's Godwin that's getting, you know, that nickel corner sometimes uh, or a matchup on a linebacker or a safety, you know, when they when they go three or four wide. So Godwin's beating his guys. He's in a prime position to catch 100 balls like Arians knew he would. He knows what to do with that slot right. receiver. That's why Chris Godwin is going to have a big year, and Arians do it. Now what can you do for the other guys? What can you do for Mike Evans? What can you do for O.J. For, um, Howard and Cam Bray? Because I'm telling you, until Brashad Perriman, even before he got hurt, he wasn't productive. And Scotty Miller's a rookie that I think you know, can do one thing, which is run down the field. You right. know, he ran a reverse today. Cool. Bring him in. Let him do that sort of thing. And listen to me trying to second-guess a guy like Bruce Arians, right? But it's just uh, it was a bad offensive plan and they didn't execute it, so this is what it looks like when you can't get first downs.
2: Yeah, it is really incredible though, like, week to week what this offense is, you know what I mean? Like, this is the second time that that, that Mike Evans has essentially been a non-factor. yeah. You know, now one of those games that we don't talk about is this three-touchdown game, three-touchdown one-half game, so he's been explosive and he's been a non-factor in the same with, over a five-week stretch here. You know, yeah. Godwin's been consistent, like you said, but Above all, man, like I tell you, the, the, the disappearance of those two tight ends, Brayden Howard, yeah. as offensive weapons is just mind boggling to me. Like, well, it's like it's, it's not like all of a sudden, I know initially at first it was, well, there's a lot of attention on OJ, right? Yeah. Um, and obviously, like you said, you know, a guy like Perriman, you know, just like Deshaun Jackson, you know, the, even him being on the field. You know, if, if you think if you think that he's going to catch a ball and maybe he can extend the field, there's a value to him being out there, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And, and you don't really have that with Scotty Miller because no one really knows what he can do. But you know what? Run him out there vertically for a play or two. Even if even like let them see that he can run. You know, right. let them see what you guys think he is. So that's right. You know. And maybe he didn't even need to catch a ball to open it up. But those little out routes that they, they, they ran just to get a ball in his
1: hands, so it was a little weird. But Well, they were critical downs, too. Right. I mean, that's the thing. You're throwing third-down stick routes to a guy, and you're missing them because you're clearly not on the same page. He hasn't played in a game at game speed. Yeah. You know, Jameis has far more chemistry with Brait, far more chemistry with O.J. Howard. I, I Look, those guys have been good soldiers up to now, and I don't think that Breit or Howard would probably ever say anything. But I guarantee you, this is their brand. This is what they do for a living, and it's how they get paid. And if you think that they're going to sit here and get one and two targets a game, right? not, not catches, but targets, that's an issue. And it's going to continue to be an issue, and they're going to have to find ways to get all these guys enough footballs. And I understand there's only one, but you know, when you don't make first downs, that's what happens. You don't have enough plays. 21 plays in a, in a half isn't enough for anybody to get a ball right? Jameis only completed 15 balls all day. So you divide 15 by anything, it's not going to be very many catches, especially right. when Chris Godwin uh, has Take the ball. Of them, right? Yeah, so that leaves eight for everybody else. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, and then defensively, look, at some point, there has to be somebody not named uh, Barrett, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that is going to get in the backfield and get on top of a quarterback. I mean, Vita Vea, and Su, Carl Nassib, somebody off the bench, right? They've got so any, two any, other sacks these, all year.
2: any of these linebackers that apparently apply pressure. What happened? To the Todd what what of happened to the Todd Bowles what about the, what about double the sa- gap blitz coming the safeties, you know, yeah. all this other stuff like the 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 the, the staple of the Bulls defense is that it's coming from everywhere, pressure, right? Pressure, right? And uh you know, Pressure there's, defense. There's,
1: there's not much of that these days. No, except and, for from '58. And and that's why a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who hasn't played that much until he until Bruce, Breeze got hurt last week, he didn't get a touchdown on the board. They kicked four field goals against the Dallas Cowboys. Four. They didn't even get in the end zone. He throws four touchdown passes today. It's his best game he's been since he's been a Saint. I like Teddy Bridgewater. Everybody respects him. The job he's done. He is not that kind of quarterback that should throw four touchdowns against you in a game like and he, this. And he made it look pretty easy. Too, oh, yeah, really easy. I mean, it was a it was a great day for him, over 300 yards passing and all of that. So now it's on to London. Uh, we've got planes to catch. I'm going out there Wednesday. You'll go out there Thursday. You arrive sort of when the team does on Friday morning just to get you caught up in the schedule. Um, they will have a few hours off, and then they'll go straight to practice around 3.30 England time, which is five-hour time difference. So we'll have the advantage there. Uh, and then Saturday is their walkthrough. They're treating this like any road trip, like they had in L.A., any time they would go someplace on a Friday after Thursday's practice, and then they play the game Sunday. And they are back on the plane, on the buses to the plane, one hour after that final, final horn goes off. So it's going to be a quick turnaround, but a long trip for these guys. And I think they've done everything they can to possibly prepare for it. Right. Um, but now is when the road starts to get a little tiring.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, we feel it, right? Absolutely, I, mean, I do. So these I'm guys sitting here with a cold right, right now. Right. The, these guys are, are the ones out on the field, so you know they've they're oh. starting to feel it, you know. Um, and you know, you've written about this about all the kind of preparation that, that they've done, whether it's the compression socks or the, you know, blue blue what is it the blue, blue, glasses, glasses, blue glasses and everything yeah. that they do to, to make sure to ensure that that they're gonna you know be able to as they say perform optimally. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this is all different, man. I mean, a lot yeah. of these guys haven't done this before. Most of them have not done this before.
1: And Carolina's um, never done it.
2: Carolina's never it's done their first it before. Trip. So, um, you know, and like I said, I mean, what was it? 2013 was the last trip to, to London that the Bucks took. 2011, 2011. So, yeah. I mean, who's who's left from that team? You know, Demar Dots. There's one guy, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, this is all new for these guys, and they're going to have to be feeling it out as much as. You Know we know this as much as people tell you this is how your body works and this is how it's going to function, you're the one that knows how it's going to work the, the best. You know, you're the one that's going to have to feel it out, so right? This is gonna be a challenge, you know. Um, but you know, well, I, I think you know, we're really going to start seeing over the next you know, couple weeks what this thing's really made of, yes, because, sir. Um, you're right you know, about they, that, they're, they're really uh. I don't say these are these. Yeah, I will say it. these are critical weeks. You know, these are really critical weeks because this is the time of the year. You're sitting here at two and three, and it can get to two and five real fast, two yep. and six real fast. So or you start you, to separate. Or you or can or yeah, stay in it, or you can sit there and, and feel good about yourself at you know four and four, five and four. You know, even you know four and five, three and four, whatever. Um, but this is the time of the year. We saw it last year. You know, this was a team that was what two and two. After four weeks, yeah. right? So, and we saw it in the middle of the season. And they were two I, it, and five. It started, they were actually, were they three and two at one point after the Cleveland game, right? And then, uh, and then, the, the, I mean, really, when you look back at last year, I, I really yeah. looked back at that Cincinnati game.
1: That's and that's right. where
2: it kind of all went downhill after that because. Well, um, Chicago, I think. Chicago, you know, was, that, but that, they were two and two after after yeah. Chicago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, this is a time where teams really kind of make or break themselves, and they, you can really kind of see what they're made of.
1: Well, by the time you get to Halloween, you start to see separation, and it's hard to, you know, to catch. That's the thing. It's hard to catch more than one team, right? Right yeah. now it's the Saints, okay? So you, you're really, you know, you're two games behind them, but actually you're more than two games because they have a win over you, right? Yeah. So you're going to have to beat them to get even. Uh, one of those wins has to be against the Saints. And then you have Carolina. You have a win. Over Carolina, This is your home game against Carolina, so you need to take care of business yep. because that's how you can get on top of them. But yeah, you, that's pressure right but, there. That's but, a home game. Yeah, but if you let Carolina get a hold ahead of you, you've got the Saints ahead of you. I don't know what Atlanta's going to do. That's not going well right now, but you've still got to play Atlanta twice. It's hard to crawl over three teams. So critical time for the Bucks, who, you know, momentum. Seasons have momentum. Games have momentum. They can't get any momentum right now. They, they lose, they win. They lose, they win. Yeah. Now they've lost again. They have to win uh, in, uh, in London. And if they don't, um this thing's going to start away these from guys him. know that
2: rick too i remember oh, yeah. that in in the locker room after that carolina game what did arians tell him they had just come off that tough loss against san francisco they win a big tight game in carolina on the road on thursday night he tells them stack, them, start up. Stacking stack them. them up stack them up stack them up so these guys know that these guys know the message they know the value of of gaining that momentum and keeping it yep. they failed here and, you know, now it's, it's about stopping the, ne- the, the downfall, the negative momentum that can come off a loss and, and try to start eventually stacking this stuff up.
1: Meanwhile, real quickly, the Rays, of course, down uh, zero games to two. Um, not surprising there. Great pitching by the Houston Astros. Not enough hitting for the Rays at this point. But this will be their last best chance, I think, to get a win. They've got Charlie Morton on the mound today. Um, you know, with an opportunity to at least get back in this series. Obviously, it's, it's win or else, right, when yeah. the season's over. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, the trop full and uh, see if Charlie Morton, who I, I think is better that he's not – he's pitching against his former team but not in Houston. And he tends to be emotional. This might settle him down a little bit in that he's in the trop and the fans are behind him this time. Um, but they've got to get some timely hits. They just They just – They've just had their bats handed to them the first two days. Yeah, at, at games out there. I
2: mean, I mean, w- w- when you're dealing with, uh, you know, Verlander, Cole, and then now Granky, like these are all Cy Young Award kind of guys. And, Studs. You know, they're just. I mean, the Rays have those kind of guys too. They're maybe just a little younger and don't have as many awards, but yeah. you know, if, if there's anyone that stacks up against the, the Astros pitching wise, I mean, I, I think it's the Rays. But like you said, th- th- this this is obviously a make or break because you're up against the wall now. But you know if you're going to have a uh, if you're going to have to to fight back like they're going to have to charlie morton's the guy to be on the mound like this is these are the kind of games that they they signed him for and, and he's so cool and collected under pressure. That you know, that, that, that if they're going to do it, it's because of Charlie Morton, and it's going right. to be because he pitches well, and maybe
1: and wins this game, and,
2: and maybe they get a little bit of you know scrape, can get a lead, yep. and kind of scrape something out. You know that, that's the way they're going to do it. They, this is no secret. With the ways the Rays win, they win with really good starting pitching, yep. savvy you know bullpen usage, timely hitting, and timely hitting, and low scoring games. That's yep. what they do, and so that's what they're going to have to do. They haven't done it so far. In, um, in Houston in the first two games. And Houston's a really good team. They might be one of the best teams you've seen in a yeah, long time, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. And um, But, you know, I, I think one thing to remember here, as much as there's so much uncertainty about baseball, the long-term future of baseball in Tampa Bay, I think one thing that should be really special about tomorrow – is just everyone kind of taking in the atmosphere at the TROP. You know what I mean? True. The TROP's the TROP, right? We, yep. I mean, we know what it is. We know Stu's tried to do these little things to try to make it shine it Embrace it, man. And make it look pretty. Yeah. But, but embrace that you never, ever know. I've covered baseball for a long time. You never, and, and that goes for the players, anyone around the team, writers, you know, everything like that. You never, ever, ever know when you're going to be the focal point in the postseason when that's why they time these games out, so that you're the only dog in town that yeah, day. Everyone's watching. And everyone's watching you. And, you know, I remember. You know, everyone times up the rally flags. And oh yeah. When they when they do that big Coming opening on scene air. when you're going yeah. on the air and everything. Yeah. And 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 everyone, whether you're at the Trop, whether you're watching at home, whether you're you're following it on GameCast or YouTube or whatever, you know, just embrace this one because you don't know in this, especially in this market, you don't yeah. know when Boy, you're going to so have true. it again. And you don't know if you're going to have it again, to be honest.
1: That's so true. And in, and in baseball, that is a home-field advantage. Yeah. There really is something to that. I think it's one of the sports that lends itself to that. So from New Orleans and the Superdome, where the Bucks have lost yet again to the Saints this time, 31-24, and Encina, i of the Tampa Bay Times. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Sports Day Tampa Bay.